0: This podcast of Cut to the Chase with Dave Emanuel is brought to you by Marbury Creative Group. Talking with Chief Roy Whitehead of the Snowville Police Department. And I was recently at a Citizens Police Academy meeting, and Chief Whitehead was one of the speakers. And he always has some excellent information to bring to people about police work and the police interaction with the community. Welcome, Chief Whitehead. Uh, what can you tell us about some of the programs that the Snellville Police Department has.
1: Well, thank you and I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. I'm especially proud of our Citizens Police Academy programs. We do it twice a year. Uh, It's our opportunity to interact with the community, to build partnerships and relationships and we find it interesting because most people learn what they know about how police operate and what they do from the television and we just want them to know what we really have to experience and some of the laws and requirements that that we have to follow. And that's
0: a lot different than television. And when you get into some of these situations, I know there are a lot of aspects to police work. But at that meeting, you had some interesting stories that people might not expect that you would get into because criminals are usually portrayed as being relatively competent and uh, able to do things that in real life they can't on TV. And yet, in real life, you've got some stories that are really uh kind of put it in in perspective about some of the really i guess we can call them dumb things that criminals do and i'm sure they uh they make for great tales when when police officers are making their reports
1: well to to be fair there are plenty of competent criminals (laughs) uh the ones we catch are the ones (laughs) you're talking about in general at least in a lot of the cases
0: and uh, there was one story you told uh about somebody who uh, I believe had been in, involved in a robbery and then took off and wound up going into somebody's house with a teenage girl there. And, and that was one of the funniest stories I've heard in a long time.
1: Well, actually, it was a bank robbery that occurred in Grayson. Mm-hmm. And the bank people did a good job. They put out information, look lookout on the vehicle. A county police officer, being very observant, saw the vehicle coming down 84 and got behind it. Obviously because it was an armed bank robbery he didn't want to make the stop on his own so they notified our units that uh, he he was following the car. But the way it got relayed to our units was that he was in pursuit. And our definition of pursuit would be that he was chasing the car with lights and siren activated. So we had several units heading eastbound on 78. And they passed this Explorer and passed the county police car. And so we sort of looked like the Keystone Cops because here we're going lights and siren eastbound and they're going westbound. So they turn around and they get up to the intersection of 78 and 124 and the car's boxed in. But unfortunately, a lot of the boxing in vehicles were private vehicles. And so when the officers got out of their cars with their weapons drawn, uh, some of these vehicles saw that and they moved out of the way, which allowed the the uh, suspect's vehicle to take off again so there was a a pretty good pursuit after that Uh, we proceeded westbound and um, the the Gwinnett County PD did another good job they got stop sticks down at uh, Stone Drive and this person uh, this vehicle went over the stop sticks and it did shred their tires and flatten them so they turned down a dead-end court and when they turned down this dead-end court ended up in a business yard and, and our unit was still in pursuit and he did stop it, it's just not the way I particularly want that to happen. He T-boned the car and that stopped it. Well, one suspect jumped out and ran and made it over the fence. The other suspect, they took into custody right away. So we began to fan out in the neighborhood behind and we could hear dogs barking, so we'd try to move in those directions and start to look for him. Well, apparently the, the man made it to a house that the door was unlocked and he went inside the house and was using the phone trying to get a ride. Well, the people had two dogs and the small dogs, and they were kind of yappy and they were barking at him. And also, their seventeen-year-old daughter was at home, so she came down to see what the dogs were barking at. And here's this man sitting on her couch, and she says, "What are you doing in my house?" And he says, "Listen, I'm in trouble. I got problems, and, and I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going. I'm just calling for a ride. Just let me use the phone." Well, she takes her dogs and she goes back upstairs, and then she immediately calls.
0: Of course, nine one one.
1: No, she called her dad. So when her dad, uh, she told him what's going on, and her dad did what any daddy would do. He called 911. No, but first, he said, put him on the phone. So she goes back down, and she hands the phone to the robber, and he says, what are you doing in my house? And he goes, listen, I'm in trouble, but I'm not going to hurt your daughter. I'm just trying to get a ride. I just need to use the phone. Well, she takes her dogs, and, and she goes back upstairs again. So the dad does what anybody would do. He calls 911, and he says, are y'all in my neighborhood looking for this person? And they said, yes, we are. And he said, well, he's in my house. So they got the address and the phone number, and they're giving that out. But in the meantime, the dispatcher dials a number to the house, and the robber answers the phone. And so they asked to speak to the girl, and he says, okay. So he goes upstairs and knocks on the door and says, 911 wants to speak to you. So as she, she, he turns around and goes back downstairs, so the dispatcher's talking. He says, is he still in the house? She goes, well, I don't know. He said, well, listen, there's, there are officers at the door. Go down and let them in. So she goes down to the door and opens the door, and she's kind of standing there, and they said, is he still in the house? And she says, well, I don't know. And he said, well, get out. <laughs> and they go in, and they were able to arrest him. <laughs>
0: yeah, you would think. The first call would be nine one one.
1: That's not unusual. Even when we go to store robberies, mm-hmm. a lot of times they've called their manager or their family before they called nine one one.
0: What are some of the other? I know you've had some a number of other stories. I think there was one about uh, a man who every time you asked him a question, he would faint. Well, that hours. was
1: that does happen. There was a uh, that was when I was in South Carolina. Uh, officers were doing interdiction on i nInety five and they made a traffic stop on a on person, and he had a lot of criminal indicators, things that the ordinary people don't do. Uh, no one of them means anything, but a, a, a certain number of them tends to indicate more likely than not that the person's involved in criminal activity. So they got him out, and they were asking him questions, and, uh, and they asked him if he had anything illegal in his car. And when they did, he fainted. So they got him back up, and they said, "Okay, you you have something illegal in your car." And they said, um, "Is it marijuana? No. Is it cocaine?" And he faints again. <laughs> okay, well it's cocaine. So, <laughs> so they get him up, and they do find a bunch of cocaine in his car.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it really is amazing. And what are what are some of the other things? I know it's. I'm not trying to make light of police work, but you hear these stories sometime and you just you have to wonder what the criminal was thinking at the time to to do something the crime's committed and you would think first and foremost is getting away anywhere you can and yet they'll do any number of things that actually make it easier to get them caught and i think you had one where uh the guy was running through the woods and got trapped underneath the police
1: car. Well, what happened was he actually went to a uh, fast food restaurant up on 124. And they was closing time. The manager came out, and she's carrying two bags. And he comes up, and he sticks a gun in her face and says, give me the bag. And so she does. And he takes off running across the, the parking lot. And we don't know why, but he stopped and looked in the bag. And it turned out that he had two hamburgers. So he looks around, and the manager's still standing there. So he turns around and he goes back. So when he gets back, he sticks the gun in her face again and says, Give me the other bag. So she does. And he leaves, but he didn't take her cell phone. So she grabs her cell phone. She calls and says, Hey, I've been robbed, and he's just run off through here. So we had a unit that was close by, and he uh was coming up dogwood and he actually saw the guy in the property of the where the new jerusalem church was so he turned in the driveway and and went toward him when the guy started running and he started he turned around behind him he's chasing him in the car but he knows they're getting ready to get to this big ditch and he can't chase him so he sort of gooses it a little bit throws it in park jumps out knowing he's going to be in foot pursuit and he doesn't see the guy He, he can't find him and then he gets to the front of the car, and he looks, and he actually had knocked him down, and the man's laying on the ground with the tire on his foot, and he's he's got, like, the guns about six inches outside one hand, and the bags are out about six inches out from the other hand. Luckily, he wasn't hurt, and mm-hmm. he was fine, but we did charge him with two counts of armed robbery. Right. One for the hamburgers, one
0: for the food. <laughs> there was another story that, that you told, and, and it's, it's not as humorous uh, as some of these others, but I think it's enlightening because of the type of crime it was and something you wouldn't normally think about. And that was the theft of the cell phone tower uh, computer equipment. Right. And something that you you wouldn't necessarily think of, but yet that was a multi-million dollar crime spree across the country. And I think it's, it's another situation. Uh, I brag about the Snellville Police Department quite a bit. And I think this is another bragging point because... From what I can recall, there were some other agencies involved in it, but it was Snellville PD that solved the crime, and it had implications across the country.
1: Well, yeah, in actuality, what it is is these cell towers have these little buildings down below, them, and they broke into them and they, they, they stole what they call um, cards, tower, these cards from the, from the tower. Well, they, to me, they look like little hard drives, mm-hmm. but each one of them is worth $25,000. So they took six, so that was a $150,000 theft, which to us is quite significant. Right. And um, so we started working with some other agencies because it turned out that more than $6 million worth of these things had been stolen throughout the metro Atlanta area. And everybody's trying to work on them. Well, um, the FBI was going to work with us, but, but they didn't really have the time that they could dedicate to it at that one point. But they told us if we could put it together that they would, would take the case federally. So we started working on them. And basically, we determined that there were two places in the country who sold these reconditioned uh, cards. And they can be used, and they're interchangeable in any cell tower in the world. So they are a very valuable commodity. Well, uh, we found out that one of the jobbers particularly was in Boston, Massachusetts. And we called them and contacted them and asked them if they had them, because we had the serial numbers. And they said, well, that depends (laughs) <laughs> uh, we, we'll be glad to talk with you about it but we need a letter from your prosecutor that says that you you won't charge us with buying stolen property mm-hmm. so we talked to the district attorney's office and the, the district attorney on call first thought we shouldn't give them that letter but we said you know here's the issue we can't prosecute them in Gwinnett County for buying stolen property in Boston, Massachusetts but you can't give them federal immunity so mm-hmm. let's give them the letter so we got the letter and they, they had several of our cards that were taken from here in Snellville and um, based on that information we found out who it was that sold them we did search warrants in Cab County and, and Gwinnett County did a great job helping us with the search warrant it was out off of 316 and we recovered about four and a half million dollars worth of these and I knew it was a good job I mean I'm proud of our people and the work they do mm-hmm. we have excellent uh, officers and I knew it was a good job but I didn't know how good it was until right about 6 months later I got I come in and I have a voicemail and it's from a detective from the Metro Las Vegas Police Department and the message was we understand y'all served you solved a cell tower burglary we've had several out here that in this area uh, that really we've lost about 50 million dollars worth of these things and we called the fbi and they told us to call y'all because they said you were the only agency so far that's ever been able to solve one Mm -hmm. so i called them back and told them for a first class plane ticket in a hotel room i'd come tell them how we did it
0: sure sure and i'm sure they sent both of us (laughs) what are some of the other things that that is really instructional for people Uh, we hear a lot of stories about people being concerned. When they get pulled over, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to act. There's also, I always thought it was kind of amusing in terms of the body cameras. And a lot of the people who are somewhat anti-police or just suspicious, saying, boy, we'll get those body cameras on them and that will really prove it. And I thought, to me, for every bad officer, there's a thousand good officers. And what that's going to do is put the people who are complaining about the way they're treated in a bad light because when you see how they are in fact treated it's usually very good and I know our officers are complimented repeatedly well yeah I got a ticket but they were so nice about it and they were almost appreciative of the treatment of course they didn't want the ticket but they were appreciative of, of the treatment and the professionalism and, and I think a lot of the interaction has to do with the way the person being pulled over responds, number one, and and there's something else I think we need to bring up, and that's the old story of there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop because officers have been shot and killed in the most unlikely scenarios where there's a man and his wife and two kids in the back seat. The officer walks up, the driver turns around and opens fire. So I think... There are certain things that police officers do, obviously, to minimize the threat. What's the best approach for a driver to do and or a passenger? Because sometimes the, uh, the passengers are the problem as opposed to the driver.
1: Well, first of all, uh, let me just say this, that 95% of the people in the world are good, honest, hard-working, law-abiding citizens. And the others who are not it's difficult for us to be able to determine who they are Mm -hmm. just by the way they look so we do have to be in control when we make the traffic stop but I'm the same thing that I taught my daughter and my nephews if you're stopped by the police keep your hands in sight if it's at night turn on the interior light Mm -hmm. Um, keep your license and your insurance information at a place that's easily accessible but be polite don't do anything that you don't ask permission to do. So if you say, I need to get my license, it's in my purse or it's in the console, you say, that's fine. Or if you had a weapon, if you say, officer, oh, my license is in the console and there's a weapon there, and they will say, that's good. Just reach very slowly for it. And mm-hmm. In other words, what we're trying to say is don't do anything that raises the uh, officer's level of intensity that make, maybe he he or she feels like they're being threatened in some way. Always do it that way. If you don't feel safe stopping in an area when the police are trying to stop you, you can certainly slow down, turn on your flashers, and drive to a populated area or a better lit area if that's what, what you want to do. But here's the thing. I, I always try to say this, that police officers aren't always right. And But when they make that stop and they're taking the action that they're taking, they believe they are. Mm-hmm. And so there's really nothing that the violator is going to be able to say that makes the officer change their mind. But there's also... Nothing that the officer said that's going to make the violator change their mind either. But what I ask them to do is just comply with what the officer says. Then, if we need to, make a complaint the next day. Make a complaint. If it's bad enough, file a suit. If it's really bad, go to the district attorney's office and and have them investigate and see if it's worthy of prosecution. But we would never hurt anybody again if we could just get people to do that. But going back to the body cameras and everything, you know, we were one of the first agencies in Georgia to have a full implementation Mm -hmm. because we started gradually putting them into play about five years ago. But what I found is that when we have a video that we, we've really handled the thing, the incident correctly. Um, As you know, you got contacted by a person and he, he told you that um, our officer was rude and he said that his daughter didn't commit the violation for which she was being stopped. And, that when she called, the daughter called the officer on that, the officer said, well, you've got a GPS. I could just charge you with distracted driving. So we he didn't call me right away, but I did go ahead and pull the videos, and we watched it. And the officer couldn't have been more polite.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then what, what she said to her was, ma'am i was right behind you and the light turned red and you clearly crossed the stop bar after the light turned red and she said well i've got a gps maybe i was looking at my gps (laughs) and the officer said well you know that could be distracted driving but she wrote her the ticket just for the light so i wrote a letter to this father and explained it to him and sent him a copy of the video And uh, he called me back a couple of days later, and he said that, that he appreciated it, that it was very instructive, that he and his daughter spent about an hour of quality time in his study going over the video. And he said her biggest takeaway was she never remembered the officer being that nice. His biggest takeaway was he was concerned about whether or not she was being totally truthful. And I said, let me clear that up for you right now. I said, what she told you was her perception of that traffic stop. And how she believed it I said but what the way we look at it there's three sides to every story there's an officer side there's a violator side and there's the truth and it's in the middle but sometimes it lays much closer to one than the other but however it's human nature to tell a story in a light most favorable to yourself so we we do know that and so as I explained to him she didn't lie that was her perception but I said but aren't we lucky that we had the video Mm-hmm. Because I said, "Is there anything that we could I could have said that would have made you believe the officer conducted herself the way she did if we hadn't had that, and the answer he said was no sure. and that's that's quite common whether I, when I was in South Carolina and we had dash cam video when there is video, the problem we set ourselves up for is that even though we have all these cameras there's no guarantee we 're going to have a video because it's it's equipment it can fail, batteries can go dead, officers can forget to turn it on. Now, if the same officer continues to forget to turn it on, we got an issue.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, the cards get full, or sometimes they just don't record for whatever the reason is. The other thing is, is that when you're looking at it, the video camera doesn't blink; it gives you the whole picture. When an officer is involved in something that is threatening, and their sense of safety is is threatened and impacted they get into the fight or flight mode just like anybody else and that can affect their vision so they don't, may not see something that's occurring on the side that the camera actually does see. But I don't, I don't want to have the, uh, create the, the perception that we'll always have a video because we may not. But what I like too is our officers and their supervisors will review the body camera and the car camera footage each month and use it as a learning tool to critique what we do so that we can try to get better.
0: Yeah, and that that makes sense. Let's uh, let's just finish up with distracted driving, since you brought that up. There's any number of, of issues. Obviously, texting is a very, very serious issue. But I think a lot of people forget that even talking on the phone can divert your attention just enough. I know what's happened to me when I was driving along talking to somebody and missed an exit. I was paying attention to the road. But I was talking on the phone and that was just of enough just enough of a diversion that it just I just didn't see the exit sign. And and I think you've probably seen some some issues that are probably a lot more serious in terms of, well, it was just a minor distraction turned into a major problem. And and I think texting is, is probably talked about repeatedly, people are aware of it, but as you said, the, the GPS situation, there's any number of issues that can cause you to take your eyes off the road?
1: Well, the studies are clear that distracted driving is, is as bad or worse, even much more worse than than driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs uh, because it, it occurs so quickly, and you are distracted, your attention is diverted, and, and all of a sudden you've gone over to the other side of the road. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's no question that whether you're Snapchatting, Facebooking, you're sending uh, messages or tweets or whatever it is that you're doing, that if you're paying attention to that phone, you're not paying attention to your driving. And it's a great concern because it really will cause uh, a lot of crashes.
0: Right. And and one of the things I think is a common misconception is the fact that it's okay if you're stopped at a red light. But it is still... A violation
1: of law. It's still a violation and it's because you're not paying attention to what's going on around you and your surroundings even when you're at the light. I know that uh, we certainly have done some enforcement along that and uh, we, uh, particularly our motorcycle officers and they have the glasses cameras and you you can see the video of the people actually texting on their phone or working on their phone. Uh, you know, We had one where a gentleman said that he wasn't doing anything except checking the time on his phone and when you turn the phone on you could see the time but right across the window you could see the clock radio that had the exact time on it so there really wasn't any reason to if that were the case but when his phone was opened up it turned out he was paying bills um (laughs) with it with his online banking and what happened was they had to blow the horn to get him to go because the light had changed and he wasn't paying attention so you know it could be something as simple as that you, you're not paying attention and you and by the time you realize it's, it's changed and you want to start off pretty quickly well so, somebody could be crossing the street and mm-hmm. you didn't see them because you're distracted so that's one of the right. reasons that that's a requirement
0: okay well thank you very much anything else you want to wrap up with any particular message you think people need to be aware of
1: well i just want people to follow our police department on facebook like okay. us on facebook uh, come out on the 27th to the town green between 5:30 and 6 for our uh, public safety night where you'll get to see us and many other agencies and get to interact with us because our goal is to be open and transparent and to, to be a partner with all of the people in our community okay and that's something i just
0: have to close with saying it's something that snellville police department always does an excellent job and and i know everybody in snellville who's aware of the police department is really appreciative of the efforts that you guys put in
1: thank you